they? Elliott, off to the races. Can they catch him? No, they can't. Touchdown. Samuel cuts it back. Ohio State wins. Haskins spreading out, sets up deep. Over the middle. Touchdown, Buckeyes. Fields has time. Watches downfield. It's Olave. He's got a touchdown. Ohio State. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the QB Draw. Returning guest, Ryan Donnelly, Big Ten underscore Ryan uh, of Meet at Midfield, Flipping the Field, High Street Freaks. You know the man. Uh, he's back with us today. Uh, when we originally planned this episode out, I think we had a we had a firmer plan, but uh, I think we're just going to sort of shoot the shit and maybe talk about some more overarching themes of where Ohio State goes now after the second straight season ends in disappointment, um, despite, I guess, signs of life in the Peach Bowl. How are you two doing? Yeah, I'd call it really. It's like, uh, I think it's a lot more than two straight for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, two straight. <laughs> definitely, yeah, more like like eight straight. I'd say two straight yeah. completely fruitless seasons where you've won none of the games <laughs> you're supposed to win. That's a better way to put yeah, it. Yeah, um, that's what's up, dude. And honestly, yeah. you got to love that. <laughs> you, 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 you have to love that. You love when you set three very tangible uh, material goals out and you do none of them twice we, in a row. We talked about this before the, uh, before the pod a little bit, but like this is where you separate the fucking freaks from from the regular guys like it's the people like us who are upset with this like literally fruitless season you can point back at his ryan day's own words and be like yeah this this shit sucks and then you you just run into somebody at the supermarket and they're like well you know they they only lost two games this year they almost beat georgia man hey man and you saw what that georgia team did against tcu so you know like it's so uh, bad dude i saw fucking uh some yeah this is where some some of my content comes from facebook uh some like mm. buckeyes fan page that was like heated that uh tcu got voted second in the uh <laughs> in the final because like uh, because ohio state played georgia closer that we were supposed to just piggyback them and become the national runners up but man uh yeah pretty dog shit year um headed for probably another pretty dog shit year candidly but uh you know it's it's always good to be in good company uh talking with the boys about some football that's right man and you got to think too by the way you guys you've been seeing you on social media you guys see darts have been in the news lately you guys been following any of the darts videos going oh, around the nine the darters dude that's yeah. what i mean well listen ryan day is one more year away from a nine darter he's yeah. he's, he's six out of six so far one more year <laughs> he can get the nine darter of missing all of his goals uh, and just do it one clean sweep, which is, which is pretty impressive. Nine yarder to win the world cup. <laughs> yeah. That's just yeah. He is, <laughs> and he has done it in every way possible. You know, he with his six his six darts so far. He has just hit every chord you could. You know, he's got embarrassing home loss, giving up at the end, where you're the better team. He's got you know road loss where you just get road grade the entire time, and of course he has absolute heartbreaking collapse against uh against the preeminent power of college football in a game that they had completely in hand um and just pissed away uh he's really doing it all what can you say about the guy oh man i'll I'll tell you what that that heartbreaking loss man like again you go into these games not expecting anything like like we said like we were going to be pissed off like regardless like we knew the season was going to end poorly 
but like you get that glimmer of hope and it's the hope that kills you right like that that moment of like oh shit we're marching you get this like triumphant performance by cj stroud like he 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 heard all of us talking shit and he answered answered and then just fucking all for not and uh yeah, so I'm curious to see how next year's next year's three darts go, but uh, yeah, um, the, uh, Michigan will have a head coach. That's for sure. We we now allegedly know that to be true. Even still, though his 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 quotes are still like very. He's he hasn't said I'm gonna be the Michigan head coach. Yeah, so like, I, I think it's pretty definitive now, though, right? I think no, it I is. It's it, still just weird, you know, like. Well, yeah, it, he's going to be the head coach for 2023. He's made that one clear. And I'll I'll give him the excuse, right? Like, I think it's all building up to this season, right? Like, I think the whole thing is like, JJ, you know, maybe two more seasons, right? You get JJ was, is the, the prodigal son that was prophesized for them for yeah. years, the QB whisper, whatever. Um, like, but like, I just don't like, you know, I don't really love Michigan fans, but I just don't like Hot take. <laughs> yeah. But I, like, I don't like the way that. he is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, that makes him a less good guy in my brain. And especially it's like when he's pulling out Bo Schembechler quotes, like as he's actively like on LinkedIn, hitting up recruiters, like, Hey, can you get me the Carolina Panthers job? Like, you know, like you're not supposed to do that to your alma mater, but uh, they're going to have a head coach next year uh, and they're going to be good again. And we're going to be playing them on the road. Uh, so all three things that indicate it might be uh, we might be in the dark days again. Yeah. I mean, next look, next year looks pretty grim for Ohio state and pretty fucking good for Michigan. We got to say it like Michigan brings back what everyone except Mozzie Smith, right? He's the only <laughs> guy that's gone or they also want a defensive back too, maybe. Um, but like basically they, they, they almost their whole O-line is back. They have like eight guys with significant starting experience coming back to that O-line. Both running backs are back. McCarthy's there. Uh, I guess they lose a couple of receivers, but like they weren't they're replacing. Anyways. So yeah, they yeah. weren't good anyway. One of the, one of the tight ends is gone. A couple of tight ends are gone, but like, yeah, your passing game already sucked. And you're just trying to like put more guys who suck on the field. Uh, besides that, like there's not like Michigan's going to roll. Penn state probably has their best team. And since they won State, the Big Ten, Penn State picking up Cephas and the transfer portal was big. Like they just yeah. got more claim from Florida State too. Like they're they're moving as well. And um, Notre Dame's going to be good. They brought in Sam Hartman at quarterback. Like they're going to be. I, I think, don't they're not going to be Ohio State. I, I they're a solid team. Sucks. I, I think uh, Hartman sucks too. I've, I've been a, I've been a hater of his, but like he's probably better than proven on what they had. Yeah, exactly. he's probably oh, better he's than Drew Pine, right? You know, yeah. like. So and yeah, they ended and up the season pretty good last year. Like they were a pretty solid team to finish. Like if they can basically find some defensive line play next season, like they they, I mean that team won what eight of their last nine or something like that. Uh, yeah, yeah, they they started off real bad, and uh, yeah, I mean I again it was going to take a while for Freeman to figure it out, and I think like I worry that he has. Um, and what does figuring it out at a, a Notre Dame mean? You know, when you play a USC and when you play an Ohio State next year, like. Who knows? But that that game at Notre Dame is going to be a tough game. And, uh, you know, Mich uh, Wisconsin's been hitting the portal. Do we do we play Wisconsin next we year? We do. Yeah. I, uh, it's on the road, yeah. I believe. It's a They're going to have like four top 15 teams in the schedule. It's they, they play they play at Notre Dame before the bye week. They play Penn State and Wisconsin back to back. It's at uh, at Wisconsin, right? 
Yeah. Home and then state. Yeah. Yeah. And then on the road at Michigan, like they have three tough road games plus playing Penn state and a team that's going to be very experienced and is going to have a quarterback, obviously who has probably a bit of a chip on his shoulder against Ohio state with Drew Aller. So yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm not calling it doom and gloom yet. I'm not saying they're going to go, you know, I'm not doing the sets and bed. Oh, you guys thought we were going six or seven <laughs> thing, but like, uh, I mean, we got to dissect that at some point. How did Kirby get those guys to believe that people? They actually- really all think it, dude. They yeah. all believe. It. No, yeah, I. It's it's nuts. I guess where I'm at is like next year, like definitely a tough schedule. It should, it should be a season where Ohio State expects to get back to the college football playoff. You know, even if if the machine we're running like it should be like, it should be a, like, yeah, it's tough, but we, we we're either going to go, we might go 11, one, but we're going to get back and we're going to have a chance to do it again. The problem is like things feel like they're decaying and it's like, and I know, I know the, the win or I, I said, win Jesus Christ. I know the game against sort of uh, Georgia remind us, or at least like showed that maybe things aren't going to just be this like uh horrible track record in big games where the offense just doesn't score and the defense just at, gives up by the end. But like, I, I don't know, man, it, it's tough to be, have too rosy of a projection. Uh, do we want to get into some like roster churn stuff before we get into like some bigger picture stuff? And you guys have anything yeah. else to say on early projections for next year? No, I think, I think the roster stuff's important. Obviously like the, the addressing the elephant in the room, right? You're going to have some form of a quarterback battle or at the best case or worst case, best case, however you want to look at it, you're going to have a starter who has not really started many games. Maybe didn't McCord start one. Uh, no, I, I don't even think he did. Did, did McCord start against Akron last year or he something did. like that? Yeah. yeah. So uh McCord's got one start under his belt and again like is a guy who's been handing the ball off largely I mean I think he has he's thrown a few passes but nothing major but he's because he's only playing in blowouts uh you know so that's obviously you know and then you've got uh Devin Brown who I don't know like we we all love Devin Brown but I don't know if like I don't know if they'll like day will have the the gumption to to pull a trigger like that um, but that's I'm actually, be- I've also, I've kind of almost changed my thinking of that one too. I, I'm kind of like copacetic with that. I'm, I'm like, whoever, whoever starts a quarterback, like I, I can knock Dave for a lot of shit. He, his starting quarterback is going to be all right. You know what I mean? It's going to be, they're going to be good. My, my not- take, my take is I'd rather watch Devin Brown than watch Kyle McCord. But at the same time, if Kyle McCord's the starting quarterback, I, I'd be, absolutely stunned if he's the problem with the team you know like if he's anywhere close to the top 10 issues that plague the team you know what i mean yeah yeah Yeah. i mean yeah the the decay is going to come from right you're losing a lot of offensive linemen not really replacing them um so that's going to be a difficult well yeah the stud the stud era recruiting is it like it hadn't caught up to us yet but this is the year where it's either it's either going to catch up with us or somehow they're going to paper it over with these project guys um, and or a portal in the spring because they didn't get a tackle in, in this uh, cycle, except for, uh, I don't even know the guy's name, Ryan, you, you had a take on this. Do you want to, you want to shoot with this one? On the, on uh, the tackle that landed in this class. Yeah. Just tackle in general. Oh yeah. I mean, like it's a pretty rough spot right now. I think Ohio state's tackle situation here. Like they, they, 
So look, if you're the most optimistic guy in the world, uh, you may have seen Donovan Jackson this past year playing guard and think somehow him playing tackle will get easier for him with uh, basically his problem this year at guard was that his feet were too slow. It wasn't a length issue. It wasn't a strength issue. I think his feet were too slow and he was slow to recognize basically pressure coming. Um, so he want to move him to tackle. I don't think he's capable of that. I never really thought he was. He, he is a long player, but I don't think he has the feet to play tackle. Um, besides him, Josh Fryer is apparently going to be the starting right tackle. Um, he seems fine, limited actually. I don't think he's going to be a liability. He also was recruited to play center and is now, you know, moving to tackle a few years later, which has some concerning notes to me. I'll admit, uh, besides them, you have Zen Mikalski who's in year three, who, uh, was a, uh, outside the top 300 as a player, low four-star recruit who, uh, who I think came into the program like 275 pounds and is now allegedly at three something. Um, we'll see how he's developed physically. Uh, George Fitzpatrick came into the program. He's, he's going to be his second year next year. Uh, still 285 pounds right now, just not physically ready to play. Both those guys were kind of project tackles who would be playing. Maybe McKelsey's on the earliest end of when you would hope for him to play, but I think it's a little bit early for a guy who's that lowly rated at that position to play. Um, <clears throat> and then you have this kid coming in, Cutler, the new transfer they got from Louisiana Monroe, um, who started 12 games at left tackle for ULM last year, but it's basically going to definitely play inside Ohio State if he plays at all. Um, he was, you guys know I'm a PFF hater. I'm not trying to quote PFF here, but apparently was uh, below a 50 on both his run uh, run blocking and pass blocking grade. Uh, one of the worst starters in the country at left tackle. The thought is he'll play some, compete for some guard spots in the interior, maybe a two deep guy. Uh, I don't know, not very exciting. And then besides that, you just have Trey LaRue and Grant Hutton, who absolutely will never play a down at Ohio State, are both going to year four without playing any snaps. They'll never play. They both are horrible. Um, so basically you have like – Good thing we took them in 2020, two, you know. Yeah. yeah, thank God. Yeah. yeah, they're like three guys who can actually play tackle, and uh, we'll see. We'll see. None of them – like – and. Tegra Tishbola, who he, it's going to be his second year, correct? In the program, he, it's going to be his second year. He's also 100% a guard. Uh, well, yeah, I know people call him a tackle, but he's such a guard. He, I mean, he, he's he is like that dude is chubby, first of all. That is a chubby boy. Well, uh, his, his strengths <laughs> as a recruit, it was never like athleticism or agility or anything like that. It, it was like this guy's a road grader. You're not putting that guy's not your left tackle with a new quarterback. I mean, come on. Like I, I yeah. think he I think he can be a really good player, but he's not he's not your left tackle in his second year in the program. Or ever, most likely. You so know what um, yeah. what, are we, what are we thinking about? Like, what is this like why did why even bother taking uh a transfer if you're gonna take a transfer like that? Like I I mean, I, I guess like a warm body technically, but like yeah, I mean like I, I think- he has two years to play. So I think the thought is like, basically he comes in and like, here's, I view the tackle, the, the offensive line is kind of like a puzzle, right? Where it's like, they, they don't really have a lot of defined pieces. Like they're going to try Matt Jones at center, which does give you the, like, if he succeeds, then it's great. It's easy. You have Matt Jones at center. You have Donovan Jackson at left guard. You have a competition between Vamahi, Tegra and this kid, uh, Victor Cutler at right guard, right tackle, Josh Fryer. Left tackle, either Mikulski wins the job or you fucking pray for a, a transfer for the left tackle, right? You kind of have a clear answer. So if Jones can't play center, though, then you have to find someone who can, which Cutler has some experience playing center, and you also have Jacob James on the roster. So basically, James, you have Matt Jones, Cutler, and James competing for the center job. That is um, more and, concerning than the first scenario, Yeah, uh, obviously. Yeah. yeah, that is bad. Matt Jones, I think Matt Jones is going to take the job and be fine, but if uh, he, he can't. I, I, 
if I remember correctly, he was recruited as a center. Now it's been a long time since he was recruited, but uh, yeah, I, I think I think he was a center coming out of high school. Yeah, correct. Um, I uh, yeah, I, I think I think Jones probably takes center and Jackson's probably left guard. But if Mikulski if Mikulski can't play left tackle and they don't get a transfer portal guy, then maybe Jackson has to move to left tackle. At which point you plug in Cutler at left guard or have him compete with Heshabola for left guard and the Mahi at right guard, et cetera. That Basically, gets ugly. he is a guy, he he is just a body who has some starting experience, 20 games of starting experience, who could maybe plug in with some additional depth at positions, depending on what has to happen. Like if they don't get the he, he's an insurance policy that if they don't get their portal guy or if someone gets hurt, you have a little bit of extra depth with some starting experience. Um, and maybe he's decent. And if not, he's in the program for two years. So he's a depth guy again next year too, when Vamahi and Jones are both gone and you need to have another starter. So yeah, it gives you some room, basically some wiggle room to have some depth in the line. And like, if you view it as not as like, he's coming to start and more as like, he's replacing, you know, Grant Tutant or, or Trey LaRue on the pecking order or Jacob James even, then it's kind of an improvement on experience and, and, and ability so far. Um, I do think we'll see some guys get processed out of the O-line room. I don't know. I'm really concerned about O-line in general. I, I think like... I think it's the most concerning spot on the team, maybe even including cornerback. I think much more than corner for me, yeah. I think corner, like, I don't like Hancock, but I at least see the potential there, right? And I think mm-hmm. Burke can be an all-Big Ten player. And I like what um, Jair Brown did this year in limited limited spots. Yeah. Um, you have enough. You can talk yourself into it, right? There's yeah. talent there. You know, they have, you know, new freshmen coming in who can easily take jobs the way Burke did. Like, you can talk yourself into corner being okay, right? Mm -hmm. The O-line, like, the degree of difficulty for Fry to basically take two guys any starting experience, turn it into a full starting five O-line, including one of the, one, maybe you're both those guys changing positions, is a very high degree of difficulty with a new quarterback, with a new offensive coordinator. It's just a fucking, it's a big challenge, man. That is a lot of moving parts you have to nail. It's like it's not and it's not even just the inexperience, obviously. It's the fact that everyone behind or everyone in line for a tackle spot came in as a project. Like there's no Paris Johnson. There's not even like a Taylor Decker. You know, there's not right. I, I, obviously Taylor Taylor Decker was great. I just mean recruiting wise. There's not even a dude, I, I don't even remember the fucking tackle. But like there's not yeah, there's not a guy you feel like, okay, this guy came in, he's polished. There's not even a Thayer Mumford, you know, like Obviously, right. Thayer, it might, be, was a, it might be our Chase Ferris here. Might be looking at a Chase Ferris situation. A right. little throwback for the fans. Yeah. yeah, not what you want to see. That was 2015, right? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I Ferris. mean, I guess one thing you hit on that I, I kind of want to talk on too is yeah, how much of this new offensive coordinator line are we? Running? I I have a I have a take on this, and I think it's a fairly like i don't know uh well agreed upon take but it concerns me for a couple of reasons because so the whole line about it the prop uh the company line which you can get from certain outlets uh very very readily um is that day with this move day is trying to uh become more of a ceo of the program which is good you know college football head coaches should not be, you know, they shouldn't be the head coach of their side of the ball. They should be the executive of the program overseeing things, not too hands-on with like the minutia of play calling, right? Uh, Give them veto power. Sure. For big spots, they should have that. But in terms of like down to down, they they should have a trusted assistant in charge of that. 
I I'm good with that. The problem is is that I think Day like as an individual his best attribute as we saw in the Georgia game is his ability to scheme up a game plan and call plays. Situational awareness not so much, but uh in in terms of like pure game game plan management and calling like I think that is his strength as a head coach or just a coach in general I mean and I don't think it's but because he's the head coach you can't have him doing that so you just sort of come to this impasse where he's giving up the thing he's best at and he has to but you're having someone who like Brian Hartline isn't going to be as good as Ryan Day at calling plays Like uh, that's, Brian Hartline is a wide point. receiver recruiter and developer, and he could be great at calling plays. It's just it, it it is a mismatch of strengths on the coaching staff, and I don't know what you really do about it except for not hire Ryan Day. You know? Yeah, I mean that that's the thing is is like you're effectively in this scenario if you hadn't already done this and been down this path, like this would be Ryan Day effectively naming you know giving Hartline the successor role, right? Like, Hey, you're going to learn how to do this. Cause I, I, I fear that they, they promoted him out of fear that they were going to lose him and he was going to take another job somewhere else. And maybe that's the case. Maybe that's not the case, but I don't know. It, it, it just, it like, it is going to take him out of what he does very well at, which is develop wide receivers. And it's going to be testing his skills and, I'm sure he'll have more of a wide arcing recruiting approach now as the offensive coordinator, maybe be able to get into uh, some of the conversations with uh, offensive linemen and stuff like that. Like maybe use some of his juice in that area. Um, But yeah, I mean, it it just, it could also be Kerry Coombs. Like, you know, we, we just did that like a couple of years back and you, you give a guy play calling experience and, you know, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, but yeah, I mean, again, like it, it's, it's a scary scenario. Uh, and I think for me, the best case would be, it's like, it's just a name, like, you know, a, a position change um, that they gave him as like a congrats for doing your job well for so many years. Um, and, you know, Ryan Day still becomes heavily involved until he feels like he can pass the reins off. But I mean, we'll see. Yeah, um, I, I think that basically, I, I don't know, man. Like, I, I get why they're doing it. I actually kind of like, you, you can basically assume that Ryan Day was not going to bring in an outside guy, right? So if you start with that mindset of- Which is dumb. Day, well, I, I got back and forth on it because I think that they probably, based on what we know, it, it, it couldn't bring in an outside guy without you, someone to go above- Fry and Hartline without losing one or both of them, right? I think they're probably in a position where they couldn't do that without losing those guys. And if I had to guess, knowing Day's whole entire career, he probably wanted someone who's going to listen to his advice anyway, right? He doesn't actually want a new offensive system. He wants someone to take some work off of his plate to call his plays and his system without him needing to actually run in the play calls. Which actually might be fine now that you like that might be okay. And I think Fry in an ideal world is the better candidate because of his years of OC experience under Chip uh, and also at Boston College. But he's never called plays either. And they need someone in the booth to call. Because right now it's, you know, with Kevin Wilson gone, it's just Corey Dennis up there. So moving Hartline to the booth, which, you know, I mean, come on. So moving Hartline to the booth and given the offensive line rebuild at the end of this season, letting Fry fully focus on that will stay on the sideline, having a play call in the booth to work with Day, like, I think given the the 
understanding that day was never going to go outside. I think it's the best move available to it, right? Cause the other moves were Justin Fry or Corey Dennis getting the fucking play calling responsibilities, which neither yeah. one is get palatable given the way it would have happened. So I'm kind of okay with it. I, I am like, and I think also too, the thing you can remember is that like, if it goes poorly, like if, if Heartline ends up being terrible, they can just take it back. Right. There's nothing stopping from just taking the play calling back. Yeah. Um, I mean, and, and you do like, if it does go poorly in some ways you are probably more like comfortable with like Heartline might just realize that he's just a really good receivers coach. And in that case, you're probably not fighting off suitors every other year, you know? Um, you know, nobody's going to be interviewing for a head coach job if this thing blows up, but I mean, he can still do what he does well, I think. So, yeah, yeah, I, I think, I think this is eventually leading us back to the, uh, canary in the coal mine, so to speak. Um, the (laughs) original sin of the Ohio state football program. Uh, and that's, that it seems to be that they're going to keep Parker Fleming, which if nothing else uh, just cripples what you can do on the staff because he takes up a full-time assistant slot and provides no values recruiter and his special teams unit uh, were are middling to disastrous. And it, it's, it's just like, you can't get any more sort of flexible with your offensive staff and especially more importantly, your defensive full-time assistants, because they they were like banking on this change to uh, the NCAA to remove assistant coach limits, which would open up a, a, a just insane amount of like rule bending and lawlessness, not to sound like a boomer, uh, but I, I think would generally be bad for the sport. Um, and, and that didn't go through. So now they're just sort of like, I guess we're keeping Parker Fleming and, and I don't, I don't know what's yeah, really it's a, going on. People have been saying that if that was actually their expectation, first of all, if you were already banking your whole situation on uh, basically getting a role, you didn't guarantee was going to be passed one, you're stupid. And two, even if that were the case, you already had to have been interviewing other defensive coaches, right? Cause if it was going to expand, then you've already been talking to other coaches about who's going to fill the role. Right. So I think what actually happens is they're using this as an excuse, but got caught with their pants down and do any kind of prep whatsoever, because there's no way if you thought it was going to expand, you were able to hire anyone you wanted to. You weren't already doing interviews. What else were you doing if you weren't doing interviews? You were just fucking around. Like, what was your whole day? So, I, yeah, I think I think the answer is they wanted to keep Parker the whole time and are just kind of happy they have this as an excuse. Um, that's my honest read of the situation. Um, it, it, it is the whole thing's annoying, dude. The whole thing is fucking annoying if they basically are keeping him back. It makes no sense in staff management situation. Uh, even if you thought having special teams coach is a good idea. Having one to only coach special teams is very stupid. Does it make any sense to do that? And also having one that's bad at coaching special teams is even dumber. Like And one that doesn't do recruit. Right. You can do as guys who are actually good at the job or guys who are ace recruiters or guys who have experience coaching elsewhere or guys who ask them a different position group. But like they're just doing none of that. It's just a complete zero. And it's an already a bad idea to have that position at all. And it's even doing it with someone who's as shitty as he is. It makes even less sense. It is a truly baffling choice. And if he's actually just waiting to hire somebody else and he's taking longer, that's fucking dumb too, dude. The, the AFCA ended a week and a half ago. Like, go get your guy. Like, what? Like, the whole process just reeks to me of day not understanding program management. It doesn't make any sense. Like, I've actually, I, I've cooled down on my demands to fire other coaches. I just want Marco Fami gone. He's the only one I want out of there. 
And he's not even going to do that, but he's going to make no changes. He's going to run it back again. The last five games of the postseason, dude, they've given up over 45 points per game on average, the one and four record. And they're just saying, yep, defense looks good. No worries. Yeah. Like, how are you that stupid? No, it, it, it's it's horrible. It, it really is the one thing that makes – and, you know, people on the outside might be like, who gives a shit, dude? It's a special teams coordinator. But it, it's emblematic of, like, it's such an easy fix to to a, a large amount of the issues in the program. And I'm not here to say, like, firing Parker Fleming and hiring a good def- defensive assistant would, like, fix everything in the program. It obviously wouldn't. But it, it, it's such an easy upgrade to make. That the fact that he doesn't do it is just it. It really makes you question every other decision he makes, and it's like at some point where yeah. like I, I don't know. I'm just rambling now, but like you can't justify it. There is no, no justification. It doesn't exist. No, and, and like the I think the line that's been th- been thrown out there is like he thinks Fleming's drills translate to offense and defense. Well, they clearly haven't been translating to defense. Like that's that's not that's not happening. So he's you just have one of your precious assistant slots being filled up by an absolute zero who's giving you no value. Maybe maybe he's giving you uh, I don't know some some intangible val- value we don't know about. I doubt it, but maybe he is. But on the field results, it's giving you nothing, and it's giving you nothing recruiting. If he was a bum coach, but like a top ten recruiter in America, you could justify it. But he he's yep. not like it. it it's just every every time I talk about this, I just like start like babbling because it's just impossible to like square in my mind how any rational person could could justify it. Yeah, I mean, I think the answer is they don't. They just they just don't really think about it. They just kind of say like, oh, well, he's the coach. He knows best. And that's kind of their whole like they don't actually get into the why behind it, because when you like when you ask people to justify it, it, it there's nothing about it that is tracking at all. Like, the, like you said, there's there's no part of it that's justifiable. So it's more of just like being willing to close your eyes and say, no, it's not that big of a deal. Like that's I mean, the whole Ryan Day experience. It's just being, ah, well, who, it, it'll be all right. Don't worry about it. Like we're eyes, it's good every year. Don't, don't worry about it. It's just their whole, their whole justification. There's no, there's no other thought process behind that. There is no justification for Parker Fleming. Period. No, I, yeah, I completely agree. And I agree with you. Like, I think Tim Walton's kind of a bum, but at this point, firing him, like, you got to get you got I, at this point you're stuck with them. You got to give them a chance to like, and the the corners did play marginally better in the Peach Bowl. I'll, I'll give them that, but it's more about like you have these guys in the program. You just have to let them be coached by the same guy for more than like one one season. Like it, I think at this point, even though the roles are mismatched with him and Eliano, and that doesn't make any sense either. Um, yep. You just sort of have to ride with it at this point. Um, it also never made sense to hire Walton too, as we know. It was a bad no. hire at the time. It just especially no, no, when you no... had Matt Gurrieri, whatever the fuck his name. Like he should have been the safeties coach. Eliano should have been the corners coach. Easy done. It's like that. That's also that's the most frustrating part about this Ryan Day era. Is it like so many of these fixes are so self evident, like they're right in front of your face, and I don't know if it's like they're outsmarting themselves or they're just like oblivious. But it's like. Come on, guys. Like, what are we doing here? I think not enough of – I think not – the right people aren't pissed off enough for this, right? For for the fixes that need to be made, like, I think you've got a – and, like, an athletic department who's looking at, you know, we're heading towards, you know, a a much larger TV contract, so just kind of maintaining status quo until we get there. Like, you've got – uh, a booster network that we've talked about that like 
I don't know. It doesn't seem like they're super bothered by what's going on. Um, and you got a head coach who's never head coached before. So he's going to look for excuses and like, look for ways to justify his own actions. And, um, like, I, I think it all yep. just leads to like, again, it, it, the shit hits the fan, like say what you will about like the urban era when they lost to fucking Purdue and when they lost to Iowa and those people like shit hit the fan and people got upset, right? You're losing yeah. acceptable air quotes, acceptable games right now. And until, like you said, Ryan, if we lose to fucking Penn state this year or a Wisconsin this year, in addition to losing to a Michigan, in addition to losing to a Notre Dame, like if you get three losses, that's when shit's like people start to get angry because you can't justify, yeah. you know, especially a home loss to a Penn state. That's a debilitating thing. Like, unless they're a top two team at the time, which they could be. But like, I mean, again, those are the losses that upset people, right? Like you, you can justify losing to a top, top four team in the country. You know, it, it's easy to do. Um, but like, it's when you, if, if you lose to, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, an Indiana, if that, that God willing that happens, like those, that's when those people get pissed off. And then when you're missing the New Year's year six bowls and stuff like that, that's when people really get pissed off, but they're just not yeah. upset. Um, and unfortunately, until you lose one of those games, like it seems like shit's going to be business as usual. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I couldn't agree more, man. I, I think, I think you nailed it exactly. And, and I, I really do think like we need, I, I don't know, like, but here's the thing is like, People like, you know, getting blown out by Michigan two years in a row didn't shock people. Like what, if that isn't it, what else is it going to be? Like get losing by fucking 20 points, 20 plus points at home to Michigan uh, with a huge lead in the, in the early in the game and just completely shitting your pants. Like if that doesn't blow their minds and, and shock them, I'm just at a loss for what will, like it's a third straight loss to Michigan. Are they going to move the needle? Like if they lose twice next year and it's to Penn state and, and Michigan, they're just going to say, oh, well, we lost two playoff caliber teams. Like, it happens that way sometimes. We played a really tough schedule. Like, you can already see the excuses forming right now. Like, it's already going to happen. Like, I don't know. Like, to me, with a new I quarterback, obviously, right. I think obviously his seat should be hot next year. And that's that's more than apparent to me. But I don't know, man. I think people are really just like, it's like, you know how they, like, it's a common refrain among older fans that, because we didn't live through the Cooper years or we didn't even really live through the Trestle years as like full fans or like, you know, at full consciousness that we don't get it. And we don't get how bad it can be at Ohio state or whatever. And I say, it's the opposite. It's like those people are too stuck in how hard it used to be to not realize how good Ohio state has it right now and how consistently great the program can be. And also the options we have, like the options of having Luke fickle or Mike Frable step in potentially means that Ryan day is very expendable. And I think we have to, like, that has to be part of the calculus is that there are other options to pass on from him. And I think if he just pants again next year, if it goes 10 and two uh, or nine and three, obviously, I think nine and three would actually get him fired. I will say that a nine and three that's, year. That's what, I, that's what I'm saying. Like the two losses, like you probably, I think it could happen with two. It could with two. But it could. Nine but and three, it's happening. You yeah. still probably have enough juice to fucking sneak your way into the fucking Rose Bowl or something silly like that, like with two losses. But three losses, especially if you if you lose to ding ding ding, uh, Luke Fickle, 
Um, that might, that might, you know, again, those are boosters yeah. that have heard that name before. They know that that guy wants to be at Ohio state and they technically picked Ryan day over him. Um, you know, I, I think that could be the exact loss there that sends shivers down the spines and, and, and that pisses people off. I mean, you go back to your point, like people talk about, Oh, you don't know how hard it could be or how bad it could be. Do you think anybody at uh at alabama or or georgia is is georgia talking about the mark rick era right now is 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 nick saban like oh we had it so hard under dennis francione like we you know this this could get tough oh yeah enjoy this win over k-state yeah yeah no dude the answer is like we expect titles like and, and like it's just there's so few like it's not even just like they're talking about the program and historical basis instead of like look Here's the reality situation. We have one of the three most talented rosters in college football. When we play those other teams, we're losing. We're not ever beating them. Like we haven't yeah. beaten them since 20 fucking 14. Like when we yeah. are going against other teams of top talent, we're not winning the games as often as we should. We are shitting our pants way too frequently. And I, that's not good enough. Like, like, like playing Georgia close is literally the expectation. Like we are nearly equivalently talented teams. Like that didn't change my opinion of Ryan Day because we got close. That's what should happen. Like we had a more experienced team than Georgia with just as much talent. Like, yeah, that's the outcome I expect. That's my baseline. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and I think too, like, you know, I, I think, you know, uh, this is another wormhole that we could go down, but like you look at Clemson uh, had a shitty season, right? What do they do? They go out and hire fucking Garrett Riley from TCU who, you know, to come in and, and fill one of their biggest needs. And one of the biggest things they were critiquing uh, Dabo for was like, you know, just hiring his buddies, going out and hiring a guy like Garrett Riley. Like those are moves that, that guys who who know what they're doing make. Right. And, and I'm, I'm just concerned, you know, uh, Ryan day doesn't have, have it in him to make those moves. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, other than obviously he went out and, and hired the defensive coordinator, but we all see how that kind of worked out, right? Like, and I, I'm not, I'm not full out on him, uh, but like, and obviously it's going to take a little while for, for them to adjust, but it's just, it's just concerning, man. And like the, the days of just being able to back into the playoff or whatever, and like oh, that being good enough, just aren't there anymore. The, the yeah. Look, Michigan's good again. Like that's the yeah. issue. Like Michigan got good again. It's crazy right now. And it's only going to get harder, uh, especially if if schools in Florida start, you know, actually recruiting and winning, <laughs> winning Florida battles. If schools in California start winning California battles and you have to go back to Glenville, <laughs> Glenville and Cleveland and, and, and start recruiting there again, it's going to get harder to get back to that national state. Yeah. I think the most imperative thing for us, too, that like we as haters have to ensure is that, that Ryan Day does not make it to the 12 team playoff era. Because if he is getting to the point where he has like the Mike McCarthy job where he just, you know, I mean, like Mike McCarthy in the NFL just makes the playoffs every year. So he's mm-hmm. usually pretty safe for the job for a long time, despite ever yeah. never doing anything after that. Like Ryan Day would just become the Mike McCarthy of college football if we let yeah. him. So yeah. it is imperative that we as haters get him fired. Yeah, it, it, He'll be grandfathered into like the Nick Saban kind of conversation without any of the accolades, right? Like he'll, he'll be get two free losses and sneak into the playoff and then you'll never be able to fire him. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, my my thing, I think my gener- my like the underlying feeling, I like about 
Ohio State I've had since the Peach Bowl is like I feel like insane for being like this program like and I talk to people online it's like this program it's like it's so clearly at such an important crossroads in like every single game especially every single big game is absolutely crucial and like people are just like oh don't worry about it you know it's fine it they, look at what what do you want they almost beat the best team in the country it's like and the other thing is it's like it'd be one thing if like like if he if he had been the loss to georgia by one point or whatever it was wouldn't wouldn't upset me as much if he hadn't lost to michigan twice in a row if he had been blown out in the national championship yeah game. If he had, yeah, that's an explicable yeah. loss. Right. right. You you can right. understand the Georgia loss, but in the context of everything else, it's like right. just another failure. Yeah. Right. Right. It's just another like notch on the belt of Ryan Day blowing it either. And, and you know, he has two genres of blowing it. It's either heartbreaking loss where they lose a game that they were in complete control of, or it's like the other team runs away with it because uh, your defense is, couldn't stop a nosebleed. It's like those are the two. And like we've seen it time and again, but everyone's just like, you got to give them time. Like, I, I don't get where this perception is that Ohio State is a program that a coach can, like, come in and, like, learn on the job. People are talking about, like, oh, he's a new coach. You got to forgive him for such and such. Like, this isn't fucking, like, Bowling Green. You know, if you want to be the coach who can learn from his mistakes and do – like, go to the MAC. Like, if Ryan Day wants to yeah. – like, you know, there's no room for it at Ohio State for learning on the job. Like, that's not what this is ever. 100%. You yeah. Know? And if people are like, oh, he's only been coaching for X number of years. And it's like, well, yeah, dude, he also got to like, that's true. And also, by the way, he had to take over a program that had fucking Jeff Okuda and Chase Young and, and all these guys, you know, all these guys on it and Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. That were J.K. Dobbins. And yeah. Yeah. He got to take over a program with fucking pro bowlers on it before before he had to yeah, do Yeah, literal NFL pro bowlers. And it's like, yeah, I, I don't care if he had to learn fast. Like that's that's why you get the job, dude. If you can't hang, yeah. then don't then don't <laughs> hang like. Go, like, go somewhere else, man. Like, like honestly, if you want to, and also like the fact that he wants to cry to the fucking uh, media about every little Chris Chris he gets, he is so hyper aware of everything he's criticized of, drives me insane. Like the things, like me shit talking Mick Marotti should not be getting back to his coaches. Like mm-hmm. a guy on Twitter with three thousand followers, like making fun of his strength coach, should not be a thing that his like now OC is tweeting about on draft day. Like it's crazy how sensitive they are. Yeah, they're, you should, they're fucking losers. You should you should know you shouldn't be hearing that he sucks from some guy on Twitter. You should know that he sucks and fucking fire him. Like that's what uh that's what a real program manager would do. I, and and the sorry, not to but like I've I've said this countless times online and we've already talked about it, but like the thing that drives me most insane, and this is me just more complaining about online discourse now, which whatever. Um, but like the thing that drives me most insane with the discourse is that like I'm not making up a standard for it. Like the the things that he says, he, he wants says, the program yeah. to do. It came out yeah. of his own goddamn mouth. Uh, yeah. Like you know, like it 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 just drives me out. And look, national championship every year. Like obviously, that's not going to happen. If you win it every four years, that's incredible. But you've completely let go of the rope on Michigan in the Big Ten, and that's when it becomes a problem. That and that's why it would have been so huge for him to not throw up on himself against Georgia. And and uh, and win the game and then go win the easiest national championship in our lifetime, because like that would have totally reset, maybe not how we think of him, but like the the national perception of him and how you think going into next year. But he didn't. So, you know, we're right back to where we were after the Michigan game.
Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, it, it's, it's just the same place. There's no growth happening. Like he's not even addressing the problem. That's the part that drives me crazy. It's just, it's like, it's hoping things will get better by doing more of the same. It's like, it's basically, he's just rolling the dice every year that eventually, despite making no improvements on, on like his defensive structure and his coaching structure, uh, on changing the way he's recruiting, the way he constructs his roster, that basically eventually strength. his quarterbacks and wide receivers, yeah, strength conditioning, player development, all these things, that eventually his quarterbacks and wide receivers will just be good enough to win the whole fucking thing. And maybe he'll get lucky and it will happen. Maybe because it will happen. They once. were so they they can be like we've seen that them be like absolutely unbelievable. But guess what? They played I I get Marv got hurt, but they played like the best game of their fucking lives. And don't it even give me that enough. shit too, because Georgia lost their starting right oh, yeah. They lost oh, yeah, Washington. No. Like they missed two field goals. Like all the complaints Ohio State fans have, like, oh, we got fucked. Like you can put it right back. Like it's it's all Oh, absolutely. I yeah, but like the, the the point is like your QBs and wide receivers had this otherworldly performance that you've been banking on. And guess what? It wasn't enough because the rest of the structure of the program isn't fucking good enough. Like that's what it comes down to. Yeah. I I don't yeah. have anything else to say. That's sort of where I am. I'm sure I'll like copy of myself into being excited for this. And I will be excited for the season, even if I think we're going to go six and six, because, you know, it's like it's exciting nonetheless, but I'm sure I'll get myself point. into. You have into... no control over it anymore. We've lost all control. Uh, it, we're we're going to we'll we'll probably have some slow offseason talk. But, you know, once we get to spring practice again, we'll we'll be we'll be ready to go. Um, but yeah. yeah no. Oh, by the way, really quick too, uh, I think it's about to lose to Nebraska in basketball. That's uh, so Nebraska is nine to nine. That's so uh, fucking yeah, funny. About to be their fifth straight loss. It's currently 61-58 with 17 seconds left. Dude, it's uh, only a six here in the program. Come on. I mean, another like, program. Give time. Yeah. Fucking the basketball team. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's pathetic. What it's one pathetic. last question? I know I know you guys gotta bounce. Um, and, and this maybe is too loaded to ask right at drop right at the end, but if they fail again next year, which I'm not I'm not certain they would, they might they might get it done next year. I don't know. It's 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 in the cards. I wouldn't bet on it. It's in the cards. But if they do fail again next year, and Ryan Day gets fired, would you trust Gene Smith to hire the next coach? Um, I'm about to be out on Gene Smith. I I am very nearly out on Gene Smith. I have been a Gene Smith defender for a very long time. As have I. Uh, I think a lot of the people who hated him early on were kind of just generally like racist old guys yeah, right. kind of for the yeah. most part. But uh. The mistakes are mounting now. He, I think he's basically missed on these hires uh, on basketball and football. I think he's he's made crazy extensions. Extending Holtman before the season was nonsense. Extending Day after losing to Michigan uh, the first time was nonsense. Um, he's just made a bunch of very unforced errors. He's also been late on NIL now. Like that's a problem. Um, there's a lot of shit he's doing that's basically holding the program back. I don't really see his value at. Like I understand we're great at Olympic sports and all that stuff. That's cool, and it's the biggest AD in the country. Yada yada. I don't give a fuck, dude. Win football and basketball. That's what matters. That is what we're working on. Yeah. 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 No. Uh, I, I think, I think he is, I think he's basically, I think he's a good bureaucrat. And I don't mean that as an insult. Like I genuinely think he's very good at that side of the job. I am starting to like you, I am starting to become disenchanted with his ability to evaluate uh, revenue sport coaches. Yeah. Yep. Um, well, 
Boys, that's what is, depressing. What a fun, yeah, what a, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Great episode, fellas. Uh, yeah. Even Arby's. Yeah. yeah. Uh, fuck. We're uh, all on one slow death march. So, uh, we, and we we continue on. Uh, at least Marv to- isn't going to USC. You know, at least we get to watch Marvin Harrison. Yes. Can we, yeah, fucking. Like yeah, no. that's a loser ass fan base. Uh, oh, how, you know they're losing. Uh, you know. They they lost. Uh, they had one of their re- receivers' tight ends transferred to UCLA today. That's so like, fucking funny. UCLA, <laughs> that is that's you know they're they're headed for. Uh, I, I know it's it's different flavor, but like they're t- they're picking up right where Lincoln Riley left off at Oklahoma. Like oh, that's yeah. just how it goes for them, and uh, nobody deserves it more. Yeah. So all right, go Bucks. Go Bucks. Yeah, go Bucks. Yeah, go Bucks.